0: and welcome to the latest episode of the online warriors podcast we are back all three of us i am Lady 86 i am one of your three hosts i'm joined as always by nerd bomber and tactic tactic how you doing what's it what's what's it all about what's it all about well i will say and that's what it's all about okay, what so you didn't you didn't say anything say anything that's i'm what it's all so about, confused this is nothing
1: Throwing me for a loop, first thing, right off the bat.
0: Nerd Bomber, what's it all about?
1: It is about ice cream and creaminess and ninja creamy i'm still influenced guys if you listened to this episode last week you know i'm like deep in, like wrist deep in ice cream and the train literally right
0: now sh- she's wrist deep in ice cream she I can't get her arms out my hand is Call just frozen someone. in a pint <laughs> it's been like this for days the ice cream won't melt
1: it's like edward 40 hands but with pints of ice cream honestly that sounds like a great time
0: edward uh frosty hands
1: Ooh, i like that urban dictionary that
0: we're sharp today everyone we should we we showed up ready to ready to play we got a great episode for you today uh we're gonna be we're talking movies today pretty much exclusively which uh you know that's uh i think that's a good thing
1: that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes it do be like that Mm
0: -hmm. it is and i i think we need to talk about movies and television because it may be over for a while the movies that are about to come out how long is this writer's strike going to go on that's what i'm can we talk about the writer strike for a second? Cuz this wasn't in the this wasn't in the list of topics that we had for the show, but like it's a big deal. This is a is really, big, a fair, deal. Yeah, a really big deal. Yeah, absolutely. For those that do not know, this podcast not scripted. So, we don't have any writers. And uh, and we're we're, you know, very fortunate in that regard. I guess we don't have to hire or pay anyone. But if we if it was a scripted podcast, I would probably say that their job would be the most important.
2: You know, it'd be really cool. And, and and I agree that their that your, their job is in Incredibly important and they should be valued as such. However, movies gotta make movies, right? And. Don't say w- AI. No, it would be really cool if movie theaters just, like, across the nation just did. We're traveling back in time. And like it was like, we're in the 90s. Everything was 90s theme. All of the movie's 90s theme. All of the decorations was 90s theme. Then we're, okay, we're going back to the 80s. Everything was 80s theme. And they just kind of rolled through it. That'd be sweet.
1: Movie theaters specifically, not yes. like movie studios. We don't want like scabs and stuff, but we want movie theaters to be creative in the downtime yeah
0: right that's a good point yeah I, I don't know i mean everything i've heard is uh, you know the best things come out of it because there's not a lot of good things obviously but one of the best things come out of it's all the creative signs i mean leave it to all of the writers in hollywood to write really funny and unique things on their picket signs so shout How out long- to those people
1: do you guys think it's going to last this time? Last one I remember was a hundred days, if I'm correct.
0: I have no idea. I'm I'm definitely concerned about the number of things I've seen. Like I know Andor is one example that I saw specifically where they're just like, we don't need writers on set. We're just going to keep going.
1: That is crazy. That is how it's bad like, stuff gets made.
0: It's like it's it, yeah. I get that it's already written, but like. Some of the best things, and actually, another thing that's come out during the strike, which I think is really interesting, is you see a number of examples of things, and, and I can't think of a whole lot of examples right now, but I believe in some way, and gosh, don't quote me on this, don't, like, make me go viral for being an idiot, but I think the Jesse Pinkman, like, Jesse Pinkman on Breaking Bad was originally supposed to die, I believe either at the end of season one or, like, during season two or something like that, and I think him staying alive was a direct result of the writer's strike in some way. And there's like, there's, there's multiple other examples of that. Some good, some bad, for what it's worth.
1: Didn't Heroes Save the Cheerleaders Save the World completely go off the rails because of the it writer's died. strike? It died.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Heroes was demolished because of the writer's strike. Friday Night Lights, which I've talked about on the show before. I love that show so much. One of the most hilariously like campy, some people will call it bad. I think it's great, but it's definitely campy. One of their like weirdest, most outlandish plot lines happened during the writer's strike. And it's like, when you watch the show, it's the most uneven part because- writers were on strike like it, it's there's a lot of shows during that era that you can look back on and see okay here's where the writers checked out uh, the office i know is another example and like i'm wondering already what this time is going to be like because it seems like i don't know they're like they're just kind of and maybe this is how it was last time too we just didn't know what the inner workings were like but like again with andor they're like okay we're, everything's written we're just going to keep going well there's a like writers aren't on movie and television sets for no reason like, they are there for a reason. They're there to find better things, or tweak things, or fix things, or, like, see things in the performance that they can use to make the writing better. Like, it's it's a very collaborative process, and I think, like, the people who have all the money just don't understand that. There's a lot of things they don't understand, but that's that's one, one piece of it. I, and it's worth noting, some shows i believe stranger things like they just like shut down production they're like we're done until this is figured out and there's a number of other shows that have done that but it seems like it's a bit of a mixed bag and then you have like as i mentioned before with tactic like all the talk of like what if ai just wrote a script which fun fact we did that and you can't talk Uh, about uh, diarrhea
2: anymore it's learned
0: it's it's right ai knows about it this was a secret segment that we did a couple months ago i think we asked ChatGPT to write us a a scripted series about three friends who do a podcast it's called the podcast it's funny and not great writing it's horrible i think it's only funny because
1: we were like giggling through the whole thing like
0: yes it's funny for us to read but like the main takeaway from it was wow is is ai just like not there yet And if they, like, seriously go down that road of, like, maybe AI can do it, we don't have to pay anyone, like, all I have to say is good luck, because that's not going to work out very well. You know, my body is ready,
1: though, for the inevitable, like, 20,000 seasons of Love is Blind that Netflix suddenly pumps out, though.
0: They must be salivating. And, like, I think... In certain reality shows, there is some semblance, like, writers play some kind of role, I think, in some reality shows, but I doubt Love is Blind is one of them, because that seems so transparently just bonkers. Like, how could they write that stuff? But yeah, I mean, I imagine Netflix is like, this is money in the bank for us. They're probably already filming like six more seasons. They probably already were before the writer's strike happened.
1: Yeah, I think I heard that they were up to like season 10, or at least like filming or casting for season 10. I don't know if they had started yet, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, they're going to ride that train until it takes them all the way into the sunset yeah i I don't know i I felt it felt appropriate to bring up the writer's strike i don't i don't know if there are any writers who listen to this podcast but if you do stay strong i don't know is it fair to say we're rooting for you because i I mean yeah absolutely
1: pay your creatives they're the people like i understand that you know actors and directors and producers all have their part but without a writer you have no script and all of those people can do nothing so
0: Right. At least subconsciously. We're gonna be talking about some some film writers today. We're gonna to be talking about a couple of trailers that we got and really just kind of paying homage to, you know, the things active in the movie industry right now that have already been written and filmed and are at end stage of production or past that point. And yeah, I, I wanna actually start with the story that we have that was directly about actual like movie writers and TV writers. Doctor Strange two. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, let what's actually used the full title. There's an article this week that came out that basically described how the writers of Doctor Strange multi- in the Multiverse of Madness weren't able to watch WandaVision before they finished writing Multiverse of Madness. Now, if you've seen Multiverse of Madness, you might understand how that's a little problematic.
1: <laughs> and I <laughs> guess know. we should do a full like little spoiler tag here. If you haven't watched either of those shows slash movies, you should probably
0: yeah, check out until you've done so.
1: Because we will get to it.
0: Yeah. So in in both of these things, and you know, let me start by saying, and I, it's, it's kind of implied by the article too. But like when you're comparing these two things, I have a lot of problems with Disney Plus shows, but Wandavision is not one of those shows. I thought Wandavision was pretty amazing through and through, far better executed than Multiverse of Madness.
1: Well, that was my uh, biggest my gripe opinion, with Multiverse of Madness was because watching it, like it was. Fine, but the overarching Wanda story arc had already been done and done so much better in WandaVision. And I was just like, why do I feel like we're just retreading the same ground and this doesn't feel as good as what the show was?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of this article talks too about what Elizabeth Olsen had to do. And granted, you know, she she may have been a little bit more inside it than than the writers were, ironically. But like, she essentially had to, and again, real spoiler now. So if you haven't gotten out yet, get out now. She essentially had to play a villain role in both of these movies. And she did so in very, very different ways. And, you know, I I wonder now after reading this, what part of that can be attributed to actual story and writing and character arc? And what part of it can be attributed to her essentially being told you have to play the villain twice to be interesting, do it two different ways?
1: (laughs) Well, so this all stemmed from an interview that she gave and there's a clip of it floating around on TikTok and you can watch the whole interview with her on YouTube and she basically came out and said like she had to make it interesting for herself because she didn't understand how watching the same arc twice from an audience perspective wouldn't be boring. And I'm actually surprised that she kind of spoke out a little publicly about this because, I mean, it, it is kind of a criticism of the fact that, you know, it's supposed to be. We always think of the MCU as this, like, interlocking cog. Every gear is perfectly aligned with everything else going on and everything's is just a, a wonderful machine. Or so it has seemed up to this point. Well... And clearly it's not. Yeah.
2: But we also on these on the other vein of it, we also say that the TV shows have to be in de- also be able to be independent of the main movie line so that when you watch the movies and you don't get a chance to say you don't have Disney Plus or whatever that you're not actually missing anything. So like I get them being apart, but to like not tell to have either group kind of completely separate and not working concurrently or rather together just seems asinine i just i don't well, get
0: this and to, and to to clarify some things like I, I yeah i think elizabeth olsen had a super tough job and i think she did great in in both wandavision and multiverse of Madness. she was probably the single best part of multiverse of madness she was the most compelling part to watch no i will yeah, say that oh, dr strange sure. was way better no way Yes. I don't think I I don't think I agree. I love Benedict
2: Cumberbatch. She showed because of the I guess completely different thing her character had. I mean, her acting was good. Great but it showed her character had literally no development at all from wandavision
1: but i think knowing what we know now i think that makes it even more impressive because yes. you just acted this entire show where your character did have some growth and development and now you have to undo and pretend that didn't That's happen
0: fair. yeah yeah she, she she made something from nothing and I, I will say to your point tactic like yes they are they're actively trying to keep things such that if you see the movie you don't have to see the shows and and in some respects they do a good job with that i thought that in multiverse of madness they did a pretty poor job of it like if i had not watched wandavision and i went to see multiverse of madness i legitimately probably would have been like who are these children Oh well,
2: yeah why is she like yeah, it, so they, they did that but then they didn't do that that's an, that's another great point it was a fuster clark.
0: yeah i think i think multiverse of madness what, for for me it serves as maybe the lowest point uh in in the mcu and uh, you know uh, the way it's going i'm sure lower points will come but like it it, it, i i think this is just emblematic of that failure that like these writers were fumbling around in a dark room and you know i'm sure there were still electric fences up where they couldn't cross certain narrative lines so they were hemmed in but also they weren't being really told where to go and that's like i gotta be honest combination
2: (laughs) the writers that wrote multiverse of madness they they don't come back from Strike. That I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so harsh, but, like, there, she the whole premise was that she realized that there were millions of different uni- infinite universes, right? And she goes, I'm going to pick this one where this family is nice and happy and there's already a mother. Not, ooh, let me find maybe there's a universe where there's two orphan versions of her kids that don't have a mom. Or... Just got hit by a bus version and well, guess you survived the bus, wink wink, shove, shove. So
0: many options. Let me let me counterpoint that. Have you ever been a mother? No. Yeah. That's my that's my counterpoint. I don't think she was being picky. I think she just picked the first one. Like I could I couldn't really speak to that. I I, I mean I think the movie had She literally all kinds, had all kinds of
2: issues. The ability to scan through universes with America Ferrera.
0: That's the actress.
1: No. It's not the with, with
0: America Dep- Chavez. <laughs> America Ferrera, I believe, is ugly Betty. Do I have do I do I have that <laughs> yeah. right? Okay.
1: Could you imagine? Ugly Betty just shows up in <laughs> the MCU now.
0: She we just about like, twenty years.
2: Either way. She she had the ability to scan for whatever she needed to. And all she would have had to say was, just help me find babies that need a mother. And then she would been like, Oh, bet, I
0: got you. I'm not willing to to crap on these writers that hard at all for a couple reasons one writing for the mcu has to be like impossible sometimes like I'm, i'm sure there are situations in which it's very easy where you are like for endgame for example the hardest part of writing endgame i'm sure was that you have to handle like a thousand characters that everyone likes but that's also a benefit because most of the characters that you get are well fleshed out and you know how they should act in certain situations but i think in general it's probably very hard and the other thing is and i think part of why this thing happened is like everything is always moving in the mcu at 1 million miles an hour so is it though maybe are are we in this weird
1: no i mean lately i feel like it's just been zero miles per hour
2: well they're trying to they are trying to churn out as many movies as possible as fleshed out as possible all concurrently so yes it is moving a million miles an hour but like just chill guys make like take some time on your content because
0: it's not making it like it's not hitting anymore because they they're they're not you need to add this to the list of problems with them trying to branch into tv production schedules are longer when you put out two movies a year the pacing is at least a little bit more natural when you're putting shows in between those movies even if the movies aren't twice a year even if they're one a year and there's two shows a year and a movie like it just doesn't work especially if no one is seeing the shows or like not a lot of people are seeing the shows even if half your audience is, you're at an immediate disadvantage and you're putting your writers at a disadvantage and your actors at a disadvantage it just it it's a losing formula and they're gonna keep doing it i under i understand that this is like the millionth time i've griped about the mcu but i feel bad for these writers i'm not willing to to give them a hard time i you know it's it's a tricky thing because clearly the mcu like guardians came out guardians 3 is out at the time of this recording from what i've heard it's doing very well like what i'm wondering is how long will the mcu continue to attract talent both in terms of on-screen talent and off-screen talent like if i was a writer and I saw that this had happened to these writers, I'd be like, I'm never going to work for the MCU because it sounds impossible. And it sounds like you're being given, you're being dealt a losing hand, but also there's money involved and, you know, all kinds of factors. On that note, do you guys, are you going to watch Guardians 3? Do you have any interest? Because I'm like, I don't, I'm not interested. I I might see it at some point.
1: I've heard some really good things about Guardians 3. I've heard that- James Gunn kind of did an impressive job pivoting from some of the decisions made in the overarching Avengers movies and turning it into a very heartfelt and meaningful kind of wrap up for the Guardians franchise and that is kind of intriguing to me I also heard there's a lot of like animal cruelty and stuff so I might have to struggle with that yeah but I've heard that it's a little bit more of just the standalone Guardian stuff than an Avengers type movie. And lately, that's the kind of superhero movies that I'm kind of here for. So I'll probably end up The old
2: one-off formula works every time, guys.
0: I just just, don't think I'm here for any. I think for me, it's as simple as that. I'm not here for any superhero movies. I'm not even here. I'm gone.
1: See, I feel like you went from 100 to zero. And I'm like in that middling range where I'm going to now be picky about which ones I see until I have a reason to watch everything
2: i'm gonna put on my executive hat and say you run a very successful nerdy
0: podcast do your job and watch those
1: wow (laughs) the hammer
0: i'm gonna ignore it i'm gonna just pretend you didn't say that I, i think i'm like most people i think i think if you pulled most mcu fans And maybe there's polling data out there that refutes this or proves this. I think they would say that their Marvel hysteria and their fandom hit 100% at Endgame, and then it went way down. And then, I guess, if you're like me and you're a fan of Spider-Man, it went way up again for no way home. And then it went way down to basically zero. And that's where it stayed. That's like, I I, I honestly think that is the prevailing opinion on Marvel. I, someone tell me, like, at Lady 86 tell me I'm wrong. I'm seeing a lot of Twitter buzz about like Guardians 3, but I don't know if that's like promoted content. I don't know if it's actually that good or if it's just like, you know, Marvel I've heard super from, like shouting in my ear. I've heard from
1: like real life people, a lot of whom have tapped out of Marvel in general, who went to see it and said it was that good. So to me, that gives me a little bit like I feel like that's a good finger on the pulse to have.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I'll have to see it to believe it. I, I, I don't know, but uh, that that's out now. Doctor Strange too has been out for a while. There's not a whole lot of dates to plug in this in this story, but uh, yeah, shout out to those writers, <laughs> and shout out to Elizabeth Olsen and also Sam Raimi who directed this movie. Let's let's move to from old projects to new projects and from MCU projects to non MCU projects. I want to talk about Dune. Part two. Did you guys ever watch Dune Part One?
1: You don't remember my rants about how I hate all things Dune,
0: including deserts, sir. I don't.
1: What? It I'm was like sure it happened. Thing. We had a long conversation about she how she didn't breathe. Yeah, I'm sure I it th-
0: happened. That I disagreed. That's that. I think it's probably the short. You
1: answer. really liked Dune. I found the first movie to be boring and very much like the beginning of the book, which I found to be boring.
0: I've never read the book. that's a a disclosure
1: don't do that like the book is i know it's a classic but it's just so much like fake space politics in a long lengthy package and no one wants that i'm sure some people want that but i don't want that
0: yeah i've heard it's very political i don't have to be clear i don't have much interest in reading the books i've heard they're as dry as a desert can i sell you though on dune part two which we got we got a trailer for
1: it did look better it comes
0: out comes out november 3rd so it's still a few months off my main selling point and we did not see him in this trailer i was reading the, the in in this again this isn't we're gonna we're supposed to talk about the trailer but i want to talk about this main point which is
1: christopher walken
0: i guess yes christopher walken has been out of acting for like 10 years and he's coming back for this movie did you are you guys aware of this like he hasn't acted in like it's i don't know it's much 10 years it's it's like, like riding a bike but he's like it's like he's been out of the movie game for a bike.
1: while. I saw his name pop up in the trailer, and I was like, "What?" I'm yeah, intrigued. he
0: he did TV somewhat recently because he was in he was in Severance. But I don't think, and I'm I'm trying to like look up his filmography now. I don't think he's been in a movie for a while, or at least like a major movie.
2: Yeah, he can come right back in and just do a okay. I'm telling you, that man. got it
0: I'm also the the other main thing I want to talk about this trailer. And again, we don't see him, but it's implied in some of the lines that are said. Is Oscar Isaac coming back? Because they were like, maybe he didn't die, and I'm like, what? I feel like he died. I'm pretty sure. And we didn't see him. I think he's big dead. Is he dead? Is that he died for real? I well, I don't know. In the in the movie, we saw him die. I can't remember. I
1: I can't tell you what happened in the book because I immediately purged it from my brain.
0: Good. So no spoilers. (laughs) What seems immediately clear from watching this trailer is it seems like we're going to get a lot more of Timothy Shyamalama and a lot more Zendaya, which is not a hard thing to get more of. I mean, she she had like three lines in the first movie in spite of her top billing.
2: Do you think the directors of this movie watched Thor Love and Thunder before making it? Because there was a lot of black and white scenes. That seemed very misplaced.
1: No, those were like very pale people. I'm, I'm not I'm not joking. It wasn't a black and white scene.
2: Those black and white scenes.
0: I would need to watch it again to know what you're talking about. I'm inclined to side with Nurbom around this one. I don't remember any black and white, and I'd be surprised if it was in there. But I, I, I could be wrong.
1: I will say, so from what I remember of the book, which is very little, but also just from this trailer, I think this will have a little bit more action than the first movie. The first movie was a lot of setup. Like if you think about and big spoilers, I guess, but action in the first movie didn't really happen until like the very end. And I think some of the most interesting parts of the book, again, from what I remember, very limited, is what the Sand People's culture is like and the Adventure and story that happens around them. And the fact that most of this movie is now going to be steeped in that instead of the upfront political setup, I think is going to be very, very good for people like me who didn't necessarily like the first movie or the book because of the political setup, but did find like desert sandworm action to be cool. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean the, the the main sell here, and what's going to get most people to see this movie is Timothy Chalamet rides a sandworm. That's it's 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 plugged in the trailer, and the, at, it to my mind the appropriate amount. And it does appear like it's going to focus a lot more on the Fremen, this is the sand people, which I'm invested. in. I'm also extremely invested in understanding Timothy Chalamet's character, Paul Atreides, his fortune telling ability, which has really not been explained and not fortune telling uh like future seeing ability it's clairvoyance because it's hinted at a lot in the first movie he has like visions no one really explains how it works and it looks like more of that stuff is going to happen in part two so i'm hoping that we get some kind of clarity on that maybe that's wishful thinking but you know as an everyman viewer i think i'm gonna i'm gonna need that to be able to follow what's going on
2: i i tend to agree at that point also i'm not just looking at pale people. I just went back in the trailer. There are black and white fight scenes. So they definitely took some inspiration from Thor Love and Thunder.
0: Not a great place to take inspiration from, from what <laughs> I've heard. Though I haven't seen Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah,
2: it's just some love, just some thunder.
0: It does look to me, Nerd Bomber, like you should steer clear of this unless you want to have another rant on the podcast because it looks like it's going to be pretty similar to the last one. I like,
1: See, I disagree because I think the first one did a lot of that political setup and that was the part of the book that I didn't like and I felt like I had to read 75% of an 800 plus page book to get to the action like they could just scrap that movie or summarize it for me in like 10 minutes and just drop me into this movie and I feel like I would like Dune overall a lot better
0: well Florence Pugh isn't gonna hurt I honestly
1: and no knock on anybody who is in the first Dune movie but Zendaya and Florence Pugh are both acting powerhouses as well so I'm also like I will probably watch this specifically just for them. Because I mean, like you said, Zendaya had like three lines in the first movie. And especially because she had top billing, I just I thought there would be more of the Freeman, the Sand People earlier on in the first movie, which is why I sat through it for as long as I did without quitting out. And then it was just like the very end. and I was frustrated. So I think utilizing her talents and again, not knocking anybody in the first movie. But I do think that both of those actresses are powerhouses and i'm looking forward to seeing what they can do
0: i'm looking forward to the soundtrack i will say though and i think i've mentioned this in the podcast too because this movie is available on hbo max wherever you want to watch it i would not recommend putting it on to fall asleep too because it's basically it's one of two things very very hushed dialogue two people like whispering in a tent in a desert
1: and then burr!
0: yeah or like extremely loud like inception level blahs punctuated by like people dying.
1: That was actually I really do hope that they kind of figure out the audio. And I'm sure it was probably a different experience in theaters. But as somebody with a sound bar that goes ham on very epic music, I felt like I was playing volume ping pong where I was constantly going up and down with the volume and that was really frustrating to me. I really hope that it levels out a little
2: bit. I'm loving this explanation. I'm literally just the picturing, hey little mama, let me whisper in your ear
0: hi <laughs> yes you, you i mean you think you're exaggerating but you really not
1: well because like especially if you're eating like i think we were eating chips or something so then i was constantly turning the volume up when they were quietly talking because all i could hear was crunch 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 and then all of a sudden our ears would get blasted out and I'd be like oh Okay.
0: I will say and I don't I don't say this often about trailers and stuff that we talk about, but and I've my wife is a huge Dune fan as well. This we will be seeing this in theaters, probably on opening night, because one thing one are of our gonna dress up? watching the first one. We're not gonna dress up, you should no, dress up and dress up.
1: Midnight release, dress up like the old days.
0: <laughs> the old days are over. They're <laughs> bummer.
1: No, they're still here. Now you're just old and the days are still just days.
0: I'll leave it to the to the Chitlins to, to dress up. But yeah, w- one thing that we both said after watching the first one which we liked was like i think because i think it came out during the pandemic or like at the tail end of the pandemic so we didn't watch it in theaters i think it came direct to HBO max and like we watched it then it was it was good but we were both like man that would have been so cool in a theater it was clearly intended for that and i'm part two i'm sure will be equally if not more so intended for a theater experience so i i think i do think it's likely that we'll get more out of it for that reason so yeah again november november 3rd 2023 you know timothy chalamet zendaya chris walken Rebecca Ferguson, who we didn't mention, Florence Pugh, Austin Butler, the, the Elvis guy is apparently in this movie, which I did not really know. Didn't see Elvis. Don't really care about Austin Butler. Feel free to crucify me, internet. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård plays Vladimir Harkonnen, the big guy. You know, the big guy with all the tubes in him. Remember that guy? So yeah, November 3rd. It's going to be a good time. I'll see you there, maybe, if you live near me. We're going to take a short break now and come back to talk a little bit about Grand Turismo, our last movie on the list for today. But before we do that... I would be remiss if I did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen has been supporting us on the show for a while now. He's done a couple guest spots with us. I don't know, four or five at this point. I don't know. I've lost count. Time flies when you're having fun. But he's going to be coming on the show again soon. And that's one of the perks he gets as a result of his night level subscribership on our patreon he is a patreon producer for our show he gets the shout out he gets the occasional guest spot he of course gets input into the weekly game segment as well as access to the monthly secret segment and vlog there is also a squire level of support on our patreon which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and a page level of support which gets you access to the monthly secret segment you can head over to patreon.com onlinewarriorspodcast online warriors podcast grab the details on all the tiers of support there say hi to us say hi to steven consider giving back to the show that hopefully has given you so much we, we we try to be giving around here and we encourage you to do the same again it's patreon.com online warriors podcast thanks again to Stephen. thanks again to all our supporters we'll take a short break now and come back to talk about gran turismo
1: I'm Ryan Fonzie. This is Cameron Hagee. My name is Tony Giggles. And we're three
2: dudes who love The Legend of Zelda and love talking about The Legend of Zelda. And if you are a Zelda fan as
0: much as we are, then come on down and listen to your heart's content.
2: We have a podcast that we like to share with you. It's called A for No, B for Yes. We cover the Legend of Zelda series, different games chapter by chapter, and we have all kinds of theories about what we see and what we've experienced in the game.
1: Do you go through Wikipedia and look up stuff based on the things you see in the game to create theories to how it could link to other things in the world that we actually live in and not the Zelda one that was the one that was created by the people that are in the world that we actually live in right now? Because if you don't, then you should watch this because we do.
2: Did you guys get all that? If not, oh, you didn't. Okay. So we are A for no people. For...
0: Alright, I'll stop. Okay, Gran Turismo. I, we talked about this on the show before, the fact that this is a movie that is coming out that is, I don't want to say based on the game, because it's not. It's based on a true story that it seems like is based on the game. This movie comes out August 11th, 2023. Can I, I, can there's, I say there's something? A, yeah, there's a lot to get into here. I'll let you speak first.
1: I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know what they could do with this. I'm fucking in. Sorry for my language, but. This is a really cool it's concept. Fun. I'm in.
0: It's it's a great premise. So let me start by saying I question the trueness of the story.
1: <laughs> um, oh, yeah. That I don't necessarily buy. I have to do my research on that. But
0: yeah, I very much question that. With that said, it's a great premise in the sense that it is a very, a very pure form of like a narrative based on wish fulfillment like how many kids or even just people in the world are like i'm so good at this video game i wish i could do like there's various things that are like i wish i could do this in real life because i'm so good at the video game version of it that some of that has to translate like it presents a narrative question it presents narrative drive and it presents like wish fulfillment you know and plus orlando bloom another person who i think has been out of the game for a while as far as movies are concerned he's back yeah, I, I don't. I'm, this isn't like a day one theater it's, viewing for me, but I'm interested, especially because Neil Blomkamp is is involved, who tends to be good.
2: They definitely took creative liberties on the quote true storyness of it. It was about it was Jan Martin Burrow, a 31 year old British gamer turned racing driver. He was so good at the game that he won a place at Nissan's PlayStation GT Academy. At the Academy, he was able to put his practice to good use and eventually win a spot on the reality series GT Academy, which involves racing real cars on real tracks. From there, after getting the racing bug, or yeah, the racing bug, he then moved into driving...
1: Formula racing.
2: Formula racing from that. So it's not like some young kid, you know, grade school or high school or whatever.
1: And actually he... So this is from nationalworld.com. I'm assuming we're reading off the same webpage here. But I don't know if you guys know what Le Mans is. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. But it's basically a 24-hour race. And he actually placed third at that. And also made the podium placing second at the Japanese Formula 3 championship. So that's honestly pretty impressive
0: for what it's worth not to fact check you here but 24 hours of a month you're talking about the one in 2014 oh no the one in 2013 he did place 30 right yeah he did it again he did it a second time he plays fifth in any case
2: very impressive so if you want to get really good at something play the video game version
0: i mean you know it's good it's a good concept for sony it's a win-win you know the movie should should garner some t- ticket sales but also it's it's a basically a hour and a half long or however long the movie is advertisement for the game gran turismo right like what they're selling here is they're saying this game that we make it's so good that you're gonna feel like you're driving a real car and maybe you could drive a real car because the cars in our game feel real you know like it's it's such an interesting handshake between, you know, movie studio and video game producer that, like, it does feel like everyone's going to win. I do feel like the video game company, in this case, Sony, obviously, who also is a studio, I guess. The video game end stands to be, stands, stands to benefit more from this arrangement, I think. I predict I that the target audience that. for this movie is small. I think so maybe
1: the target how- advertising for the game audience is small, but uh, I think we'll, there's we'll, a we'll lot see. of people who are really interested in racing who who I mean, racing NASCAR, Formula One, like that's a pretty big sport. And I think a lot of people will be interested, even if they don't care about the video game aspect, just because there aren't that many racing movies anymore.
2: Yeah. Even from a, a far-fetched standpoint, right? You have someone who's into racing and is like, wait a minute, this is based on a true story. So a kid played video games and then became a racer. I got to see this. And let me tell you something, for me, I actually thought this looked really good. Of all of the things that we saw and talked about on this show today, this was the one that piqued my interest most of all. Obviously, there's only one other competition because we're not going to talk again about the MCU, but this this I thought looked fantastic because you know what it sold to me? Not Gran Turismo. Not racing. It sold to me dreams. And that is always a fantastic concept for a movie.
1: And honestly, another thing that I think the trailer and the movie does really well, I mean, David Harbour is fantastic. And I think that kind of antagonistic mentorship relationship is always super compelling in movies. And he does a great job kind of portraying that, oh, I don't really believe in this kid, but then I come around and then I'm his biggest advocate sort of thing. And I feel like that's always super inspirational and feel good whenever there's a sports movie or just Like, I'm trying to think of, um, what was the movie about the drums with Miles Teller? Help me out here. Like, obviously not as intense as Whiplash and not as antagonistic as a a relationship as we saw in that movie, but, like, you get the the premise. People really seem to vibe with that mentor-mentee sort of thing, Mm. and, uh... I think that this could hit. I don't know. I got good vibes. I also just like David Harbour and everything, so...
0: Let me let me ask a question that is, again, at 6 is my Twitter handle. I'm going to piss people off here. But like... Am I the only one who rolled their eyes at these car drivers? Have to be elite I think athletes.
1: They do I mean even do they? And they said in the trailer, do like they? the g forces that you're experiencing in Why? a car traveling that fast are pretty high. Like I think to be able to experience that and then react, and I know too, like when you're sure. if you're in like an accident or something, being able to control your car takes some amount of strength. And it's not even necessarily so much that you have to be in like a peak physical shape to drive a car, but There's also that old adage where like your peak physical shape will lead to your peak mental state. And that's why you see like esports athletes, like a lot of their training, especially when they get onto official teams, like they have physical training. That's a big part of, you know, their regimen is because it's not just about, you know, I can sit in my chair and have a good twitch reflex. Like you need your mind to be sharp. And part of that is just holistic health.
0: I suppose that's a good analogy. I just like when they're all running down the track and the guy like pukes and whatever, and I'm like, how is this helping? <laughs> like, I just don't, I can't, I understand the mental aspect that you're talking about. Let me ask you something.
2: Would you consider yourself an anxious person?
0: <laughs> you know, the answer to that is yes. And that's why, I, that's why Nerd left. laughed.
2: So if you work to make sure that your heart rate regularly is lower, it's going to help you not have this overwhelming sense of panic.
0: I think I would actually push back on that characterization. I'm not sure that it would help.
1: I think to as an anxious person, I do know like when I am working out regularly, I am less anxious. There is definitely a correlation. Yes. Some of it, like it won't go away completely, but maybe it's just because I'm tired because I'm working out. But, my mind is more calm.
0: Your, your, your point is well taken that like cardiovascular health probably helps in like high G situations. But as far as like anxiety and like, I mean, anxiety, it may, there may be an effect, but like panic? No, I don't think, I don't think being regularly exercised helps you a whole lot in that situation. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, you know, anxious because I don't exercise enough. Ado 6 86 is my Twitter handle. Tell me how to live my life. Tell me why these F1 guys in this, in this movie trailer, need to run down the track.
1: I really do. I think if you looked up, probably what NASCAR and F1 drivers go through to prepare. I'm sure they have a very intensive physical regimen because I'm sure it it has to help. Being in shape has to help with your reactions, your ability to control the car, your clarity of thought, just everything. It has to.
0: I guess it's just going to remain a mystery to me because I don't, I'm sure to an extent you're right, but I don't, there's something that I'm not grasping about like, like they are skilled athletes. I'm not, I'm not arguing that point. I'm just like not sure how important that part of it is i don't know this movie looks good i'm not saying the movie looks bad that was just something that i was like this is that's an interesting point (laughs) that
1: okay so hold on i do so i googled why do f1 drivers need to be physically fit and full caveat this is from reddit this is from reddit and the top comment is from red beer I don't, I don't know. Sorry. But this is in the Formula One subreddit. Driving a race car tends to be very physically exhausting. The cars have so much grip that they can pull more than 5G of lateral G-force. In order to be able to still have proper control of the steering wheel and pedals while dealing with such high G-forces, which can change very rapidly, you have to be in very good physical shape. Add to that the fact that races can last up to two hours and they still need to be physically and mentally fit at the end. And you can probably understand why they need to be fit.
2: Let me ask you a question. Do five fighter pilots have to be physically fit and do you have any problem with me saying so
1: and they apparently lose a lot of fluid weight during the race and their heart rate remains high so they burn a lot of calories so that is why they have to be fit because apparently the car gets hot and they can lose up to multiple liters of water
0: i don't necessarily have an issue with you characterizing fighter pilots as needing to be in shape but i think it's a very similar situation where i'm sure they do i don't
1: understand why The, okay, another comment, additionally to allow precise inputs while being subjected to extreme G-forces, the brake pedal of a Formula One car can require forces of over 150 kilograms of force to be applied. Granted, this is all from the University of Reddit, but I trust the Reddit.
2: So, you know when the Z fighters are in the hyperbolic time chamber? No what What that's why that's why they need to be physically fit for those who know you know that's why
0: what i just heard about the brake pedal stuff is for all f1 racers out there listening to the podcast and i'm sure there are many of them don't skip leg day it it sounds like it's like it's important yeah this movie looks pretty good i'll be curious to see how it does it's it, it it feels like another test balloon for video game movies you know and maybe those days are ending with the success of super mario but like i'll be curious to see how this does because it feels like yet another approach to the video game movie and how it can work and i think that alone makes it makes it worth the attempt so again august 11 2023 is when this movie comes out so get hyped especially if you're into racing okay that brings us to what are you up to wednesday
1: what are you up to wednesday
0: after all it is wednesday we've been up to some things or at least supposedly we have i'm gonna go first this week because i for me it's pretty short i'm like doing yard work which i don't really want and that's not part of my update that's just like it's kept me from doing other things that are worth talking about but i did start a new book that i want to i want to what is the word like shout out because it's been very interesting so far it's a book of essays it's called trick mirror uh, by gia tolentino Hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. I think I am. Gia Tolentino is a staff writer for The New Yorker. She also has written for Jezebel and a couple of other publications, as far as I understand it. And the title trick, Mirror, refers to the overarching theme of the nine essays that are in the book. It's They're all about what she calls self-delusion. So, uh, for example, the idea that we're all... All, we're all consumed by the internet and we all think that we are being ourselves on the internet. That's a delusion. We're self-deluding. A lot of things like that. A lot of things with definitely a feminist slant, which is, which is interesting to read. It's, you know, It's very similar to Malcolm Gladwell, who I've talked about in this podcast before. It's like pop science, sociology stuff that's basically just very interesting food for thought in the form of essays. You can read like one essay. It'll take you like 45 minutes. And it's just kind of a nice little thought experiment. So pretty light read, not in the sense of like not being depressing because all the essays are depressing. It's like, hey, we're ruining our lives for capitalism and the internet. But interesting food for thought kind of stuff that I would definitely recommend if you're at all into nonfiction reading. With that said, my next book will definitely be be fiction i did finish the goldfinch which is what b- set me down this path uh n- yeah we, we we can i don't want to go to spoiler town i know you had a lot of thoughts about the goldfinch i i didn't really have a problem with the ending i think you were feeling like i was going to or you like wanted. i guess to. if you
1: haven't read the goldfinch or and watched i, I did plug your ears for like a hot minute but i just felt like i jumped the shark a little bit and i was fine with it but it felt like the ending was a little bit, got crazy, a little bit out of nowhere. I,
0: I Well, I don't know. I will say that it was interesting. I mean, the book was super long. I do think if I have a criticism of the book, it said it was too long. It started to drag in the back third. And then, like you said, it ramped up very quickly. And it almost feels like it rushed to an ending because she ran out of writing room or something. Like she ran out of paper. I do think the book does some interesting things in terms of... Without getting into specifics, he's traveling through this story and there's this sort of anxiety that's building. There's this secret he has that he's keeping from everyone that has potentially criminal consequences. Maybe I'm a wet blanket, but I kind of wanted him to pay the piper a little bit. And yeah, and this is really a spoiler now. He really doesn't. And I feel like in some sense that flies in the face of everything else that the book was trying to say. So I didn't love that. But I also definitely didn't hate it. I thought the way the story ended was somewhat sensible the characters all wound up in the right place and yeah I, I can see what you mean by jumping the shark because it really did take a turn but you know i didn't i didn't have too big of a, too big of an issue with it by the time that happened i was just like all right i'm ready to be done with this book and not even in the sense that i wasn't enjoying it but it was like it's a very long book <laughs> it's longer than it needs to be to tell the story that it's trying to tell so yeah i moved to non-fiction took a complete left turn and after this i'll probably go back to fiction because that's this that's that's how i keep my life spicy yeah but that, like i said that's really all i had to to mention. So I'll turn it over to Nerd Bomber next.
1: All right. So I have some relatively interesting big stuff to talk about here. So... Last week, we were given a early access code to The Invincible, which is a game that is coming out tentatively in 2023. I think that's the current release, just window. And the demo was about 20, 25 minutes long. And essentially, if you've played Firewatch at all, and did either of you guys play Firewatch?
0: I have not. I did play Firewatch. I liked liked Firewatch. So Firewatch
1: Firewatch was one of my favorite games of the last generation. It was my background, my computer background for literal years. I think I trumpeted Firewatch to anybody who would listen to me. Really loved the idea of... I mean, I understand it's kind of like a walking simulator, but it was more about the atmosphere, the ambiance, and the storytelling, and kind of trying to solve a mystery that really drew me into that game and kept me hooked. And even just the relationship of, you know, the main character talking to somebody over radio that you never see, and how that relationship develops. So I loved Firewatch as a game. The Invincible is very, very similar in genre to Firewatch. So this is actually based on a book That already exists, so you know, like the story is already well developed and fleshed out. So that's always a plus. I always love. I mean, I think we all know. I love my book adaptations. Good sci-fi adaptation always gets me going. But the game, The Invincible, is very similar to Firewatch in that you know it's a first-person point of view, and there's really no combat in the the demo to speak of. But you're essentially on this. You're dropped on this planet, and you wake up in the demo, and you are a scientist astronaut, and the game kind of gives you a little blurb before you head into the demo and this takes place very early on in the game but essentially you're the scientist you wake up on the planet you don't really have memory of what happened to you and all of your crewmates are kind of gone and you've been talking to people over radio you don't know if they can hear you but you can't hear anybody and you have to figure out what's going on so the demo opens up and you're in this planet and you see some domes like habitation domes and you kind of have to explore i don't want to necessarily give too much away but you basically you find one of your crewmates who's just kind of like babbling and out of it you then end up taking his radio and then it kind of establishes, similar to in Firewatch, you know, a relationship between someone on the other end of the radio who kind of aids you and what you should be doing next, helping you look for your other crewmates and trying to figure out what is going on. And you don't really know what happened to you. You don't know what happened to everybody else. You don't know why your crewmate that you find is all kind of out of it and babbling. It's up to you to kind of explore this very beautiful space wasteland and figure out what is at the heart of this mystery. And And it played very similar to Firewatch in that, you know, you're picking things up, reading notes, reading notebooks, looking for clues. And then your partner on the other end of the radio is kind of giving you prompts to like, hey, help set up this radio system. There's a robot here that we need to fix over the the radio. Like, let's figure this out. Or, hey, you know, on your radar, there's a signal from one of your crewmates try to go find that person. And it's just it's setting up a very interesting mystery. I've never read the book, but from what I've heard online, the book is a very interesting mystery sci-fi story. So I'm really looking forward to this one. From a technical perspective, looked very beautiful. Like the graphics, Chef's Kiss, exactly what I wanted. Like not quite the same art style as Firewatch. And I know I keep comparing the two, but it's a very beautiful landscape and i think they did a really good job with you know making a very compelling visual world there i did have a few issues because i played this on steam deck and there were a few issues to start where like every now and then you know the frame rate would stutter pretty badly, or there were a couple times when I would move into a new area and my my entire screen would just go blurry. But I mean, it's early days. It's a demo. These are bugs that I'm sure will get ironed out. And I don't think this is meant to be played on Steam Deck. So the fact that it even was able to be played on Steam Deck in this very early state bodes well for the final version of the game that comes out. Really, I thought it was just cool. I'm really excited for this. Put this on my wish list because I love... I just love games like this. I love slow, methodical, kind of working through a mystery. I like building relationships. There were like dialogue options. So you could pick what you wanted to say back to the person on the radio. And I think that's really cool. I'm interested to see like if different dialogue options will lead you down different story paths. It was just neat. And so I think the demo is currently available now to everybody until the 11th, but the game overall currently has a release window of 2023 and I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's neat. Uh,
0: anything else to update us on?
1: That's pretty much it. I mean, other than that, still reading Outlander and um, kind of hammering away at Inscription. I've been picking it up here and there very sporadically because it's a card based game. So I I feel like you're supposed to sit down and really, like, dedicate a lot of time. It's not a long game, but I feel like you're supposed to, like, play it in longer chunks than I'm playing. I'm playing, like, five minutes at a time. But for me, it works. So, hey.
0: Whatever works. Uh, Okay,
2: well, tactic. So, we watched two movies and the first one was Strange World. This is an animated movie. It is about a father and son's relationship where the father is an explorer and he goes off and disappears and then the son wants to do his own thing and be his own person and it shows kind of how that family I guess we'll call that fam- familial trauma is then passed down to the child and kind of goes through that story arc and we it's, its its it's Pixar's standard family trauma shtick, you know, it's standard Pixar. And it was quite good. There was a lot of phantasmic moments, a lot of beautiful art scenes and fantastic creatures and all this other stuff. So that was really enjoyable. Not one of Pixar's best, but overall a pretty good movie. And then the other movie we watched, which this one I thought was significantly better, was called Champions. It stars Woody Harrelson, and he is a upper division basketball coach. He's not in the NBA, but he's he's pretty high up there as a, as a assistant basketball coach. And he gets in trouble with the law, and, and then he has to coach a rec league filled by people with special needs. And he forms relationships and bonds and grows as a human being. And ultimately becomes a better person. Just a just an overall feel good movie. The cast is fantastic. The acting is fantastic. You basically cherish and love everyone in this movie. There's no non-likable characters. Fantastic. So if you're looking at for a feel good movie, check out champions. And then the last thing is I've been trying to learn how to program a Game Boy Advance game because I wanna make my own game called Get This, The Online Warriors. That is what I've been up
0: to. Ooh. That's a good tease. That's a good tease. More info to come, potentially. I it's put you on the a long time
2: coming. I'm, I'm, just breaking into it
0: well don't make my character weak even though i was was
2: going to base all of our characters on the the art that we had commissioned where mine was like a speedster nerd bombers was like a tank and yours was i think like flying ability if i
0: remember correctly i don't remember actually i'll have to look back at the art and see if it gives me any hints oh you were you were like
2: psychic like kinetic
0: yes yes that sounds more correct. I was gonna say flying is yeah. not my thing.
2: Nerd bomber I'm was flying. About she was like a like a Superman type character, basically the type of character she hates. I was a speedster, and you were more of a like a like a mental person, like a mentalist.
0: I'm a mentalist. I I uh, yeah, I had a whole CBS show written about me. Is that is that not the term? Um, yeah, we'll keep a, mental. A mentalist is like it's like parlor tricks. You're t- you're talking of like a psychic. I think is what you. Mean. You're Xavier. Yes, there we go. Yeah, sounds about right. I'm I'm about as bald as that. Okay, great. Well, without further ado, I think that puts us into Quiz Town and Tactic, I think you're hosting this week. I have a fantastic quiz topic for you all. It is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Trivia. So quick record update, Tactic six and three, King of the Castle at this moment. However, this is a huge week. Nerd bomber four and six. I am at four and seven. Steven, wanna know. Oh. But uh, we are duking it out right now for second place in the rankings. So uh, I've never read this book or seen this. What? Book. I'm, going to hedge. I'm going to hedge immediately. Jeez, Louise. Um, but I'm going to do my best. You should watch the at the no, very it's at it's the, bare the best minimum. Position to be in because it's a it's a
2: pretty thick book. But at the bare minimum, you should watch the movie.
0: Thick with two Three. C's.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh just duke it out. So when was the first? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book published. In what year?
0: Uh Nurbommer will go first, I assume, because she has a better record. That's the way we tend to do this.
1: Nineteen sixty-five.
0: It's definitely too early, in my opinion. This ha- this feels like the eighties to me. The eighties were a big time for like stuff like this. I'm gonna hedge and I'm gonna go seventy-six. Nineteen seventy-six. It was an
2: excellent hedge because a few more years and you would have busted. It was it came out October twelfth, nineteen seventy-nine.
1: I wasn't that far off.
2: So illegal is on
0: You weren't board. far off, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. The best thing sometimes is to not know anything and just kind of go in.
2: Okay. Shortly after the supercomputer Deep Thought came online, it was asked the question, what is the answer
1: oh, to on. life, no. the
2: universe, and everything?
1: No, I'm sorry. This is... No. Get out of here.
2: How long? Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to ask what the answer was, and I was going to be like, come on, he hasn't even read the book and he probably knows this.
2: Did she say she'll have to think about it for before they can return with the answer in years?
1: I mean,
0: in years? I mean, I'm going to go with the thing that seems the funniest and say 42 years. If only because I have no but better guess than that also.
1: I'm going to say three.
2: So the answer is in million years, and yeah, she said okay she'll have to think about it and that they should return in seven and a half million years. So illegal? <laughs> <laughs> Almost 40. You, you got it.
1: You know what's sad is that I <laughs> actually read this book. So not to go on a tangent, but funny story, when I was a little kid, I was like maybe three, we went to the, the local fair and they used to give out like books and audio books like it was like a, a table. I think the library was there. You could take a book or an audiobook. And I took the audiobook set of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and I listened to it religiously in front of my boom box to put headphones in. And, uh, I still don't remember.
0: And you're and you yeah, and you're no, still losing. Still I gotta I gotta check out audiobooks.
1: Yeah. I feel like I feel like
0: I, I just I, You do. Yeah. Audiobooks are awesome. Shout out to audiobooks.
2: All right. So what percent of its total domestic gross did this movie make on opening weekend?
1: Probably not as much as you think. I'm gonna say forty five million.
2: It's a I the number was percent. He asked for, he asked
0: for a percent. It's a big <laughs> percent. A percent. Are you
2: sure? Wait, what? What percent, he asked for a percent. Of its total domestic gross? did
0: this (laughs) 45 million percent final (laughs) final answer
1: okay i'm gonna say it probably made 40 percent
0: well i'm gonna do the game the game thing and i'm gonna say 41 but i think we might have both busted so the answer was
2: if i round up 42 but the actual answer was 41.4
0: percent wow
1: here (laughs) I officially lost, and that was such a well, good that's answer. Three cla- that's what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> Come on. That is. That's what. I, hey, that's that. And and to get the answer right, almost exactly at the end. I mean, this is. I feel like I should retire. Okay. Well, say it's been us through the last two questions. I mean, we're having fun now.
2: So after the book was made, and m- many years after, when was the movie finally made? In what
0: year? This was. This, this was early to mid2000s based on my memory I'm gonna say 2004
1: I'm gonna say 2005 I can't get swept
0: yeah I, I you saved 25.
2: yourself a broom because the year was 2005 April 29th and actually right on the wow. money,
1: baby
0: so so I, I, I hey I was really close we're, we're, we're doing here I, that's we're, we're both impressive let's just let's just keep interestingly it nice enough it this movie should have
2: came out significantly earlier but it was quote in development hell for over 15 years all right so last question in this quote from the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy he tries to make sense of the huge space between earth and the unknown the universe is about blank light years wide which is possibly a few miles longer than your commute every morning though it might not always seem like it fill in the blank
0: how many
1: light years wide
0: okay i never bomb first again
1: dude i don't even know 25
0: 25 light years no yeah yeah that's what she said 237 light years 46 billion with a b okay so this yeah. was embarrassing 237 I pwned, really, I pwned that question really close it. yeah she was she, she checked out honestly so had i well hey I, I i shake up in the rankings illegal moves to five and seven nerd bomber to four and seven spooky game alert is we're on high alert this right? is not that punishment tree is, is alive good for me,
1: but i have six months to turn this around to be clear
0: right not even halfway through the year yet there's still time uh and frankly we're all fairly close tactic is at six and three he's only one win ahead of me so there's a lot that could happen stick around for the for the rest of the year if you want to know what happens i mean come on it's only like i don't know 30 more episodes you got time you've 30 hours save them all till the end of the year and then listen to all of them at once actually don't do that i don't i feel like that would be bad for us analytic wise but i don't i don't know i'm not in charge of that part in any case we thank you all for listening and for joining us uh we would invite you to go over to apple podcast leave us a review there hit us up on twitter at online warriors one is our main show account at ow six is my handle we also have at ow and at ow nerd bomber and uh, consider stopping over at patreon patreon.com slash online warriors podcast check us out there be safe be happy, get out and enjoy the hopefully improving weather in your neck of the woods and uh, stay safe and keep on podcasting.